Nancy Skulls from VH1's Rock of Love. And this is Talk of Love, the new podcast. This isn't just reality, this is real life. Hey everyone, it's Lacey motherfucking Skulls, and this is Talk of Love, episode 61. I am so excited about today's guest because I've actually had several of the cast members from I Love New York onto the podcast, and I've heard from several different people, several different cast members about their perspective of how things went down when Pootie was on the show. So it'll be really nice to finally actually hear from him directly and get his perspective of how it all went down instead of always having to speculate about it. So I'm actually going to just jump right into the interview. Um, I really want to spend a lot of time with this person. So please help me welcome from I Love New York. You know him as Pootie Lamonti, aka Mr. Debonair. Hey, how's it going? Hello, how you doing, Lacey? Motherfucking skulls. <laughs> yeah, baby. We gonna make it happen, Captain. Hell yeah. I just want to start out by saying you look amazing. You look absolutely incredible. I love your whole look. I'm so happy to see your face. I know tons and tons of fans of I Love New York are going to be so happy to see you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I try to stay fresh, dressed, and press the best for my fans. I love you. I love you. <laughs> nice. I love it. So tell people, basically, what is your background career-wise? Because you do a lot of really cool stuff. So tell everybody what you've been doing before I Love New York and tell them what your, your agenda was going into the show. Before I Love New York, I was a, a laborer for a bricklaying company in Chicago. And I did that for like 14 years. So I do like the mortar, I make the scaffold, block eight inch, four inch, six inch. And then outside of that, uh, my best friend, Mr. George Hothand Smith, became a massage therapist. So I was basically one of his men servant who catered to the women's every wants and beck and need <laughs> nice. while he did his massage therapy as a Minakama Sutra traveling day spa. So in between then, I was a construction worker by day and a manservant slash uh, whoremonger at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because the same with me. <laughs> and outside of that, I did runway modeling and I've done some commercial print. I've also done some movie extra work. And then all of a sudden, here it is to reality TV. That's really cool. Tell people some of the movies that you've been involved in. I've shot Waterworlds, Invasion of the Aliens, Ghosts and Demons. I've shot Prison Break here in Chicago. Right now, I'm, cat I'm doing a little extra work in CPD in Chicago Fire. I shot Chirac here in Chicago. Uh, I did the uh, 2000 uh, All-Star here in Chicago when they did the All-Star Jam here. So I work for the private company because I'm an independent contractor for major marketing companies. So I'm doing a contract with them. And then we did the Covert, which is kind of bad, but... They're trying to bounce back from it. So in between then, I'm basically an independent contractor for major marketing companies doing networking and promoting new upcoming companies, products, and brands. That's awesome. So going into I Love New York, when you, well, first of all, did you audition for the show? Actually, I got auditioned for another show called Fox UPN, The Player. But I was doing runway modeling and commercial print and the ladies were my fans. And I didn't want to do a show labeled as a player and lose fans from the ladies Smart. saying I was a player when I was really a ladies man. So then uh, two years later, I ended up getting a phone call randomly from VH1 saying that they was going to do a show called The Flavorette of Love. And if I was interested in it and I was like, I can't pass the opportunity up two times. So I ran with it. 
Nice. Some of the guys were saying they didn't know it was going to be New York. And in fact, a lot of guys thought it might be hoops. Did you know who it was going to be? Actually, when I got the contract, the contract said it was going to be the Flavorette of Love, not the I Love New York show. And the contestants would be either hoops and, oh, my gosh, she's so fine. I want the slam dunker. <laughs> beautiful. Of course, she's beautiful. you so beautiful. Your mama just named you beautiful. So how can I not want to be with a lady like that? And, of course, delicious. Oh, my God. When your Love name her. is delicious, you know you're an edible arrangement, baby. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you didn't know it was going to be New York. Had you watched Flavor of Love and I Love New York prior to? I watched Flavor of Love. I watched Flavor of Love because I love Flavor Flav. When I grew up, I listened to Flavor Flav, Rick Rick, Rick, uh, basically Slick Rick, Rick Ruda presentation with the big nose. See, I even got that big nose right there, that humpy nose. And Flav, he was a Rest man. He was the ultimate hype man. So basically, like 2021, I'm the new hype man, the new version of the hype man of Flavor Flav. Don't believe the hype. Ma, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we grew up, we beatboxed and we used to get the ma. Yeah. That's what Flavor Flav whole days. He had the African medallions. We had the big clocks. I bought the first one from 63rd and Halsted. Man, that was the whole era right there. So I was glad to be a part of an era of somebody who I grew up listening to when I was a child. Hell yeah, that was an amazing era. In fact, I think you and I are very close to the same age. So I think you and I probably ended up listening to a lot of the same music when we were growing up. Because I, you know, Public Enemy, yes, that was yes. huge. I loved that. So that must have been exciting for you to kind of like be a part of that world. Like what was your, what was your thoughts going into it? Did you feel hopeful about it? Did you have like a, a specific game plan? My game plan was ready for hoops, delicious or beautiful. But when we got there... It was a whole nother story, and that's something I hope we get into later on, but I'm ready, you know. But yeah, when we, we got there, I thought it was going to be beautiful, delicious. So when things didn't go that way, it was like a shocker to everyone, actually, I think. You can definitely tell by the expression on people's face when they dropped the curtain. Yeah, some, some of the, the guys told me that when New York first came out, they had to, like, the producers basically had to send her back and go, guys, you got to cheer. And then the next time she comes out, you got to cheer. And so then she came out a second time and then you guys were like, woo. Is that how it went down? I was mind blown because we all sitting there, they pumping it up. We all excited. We exhausted. We've been hit up, compacted in the hotel for like three, four days. People flying in. We never got a chance to meet each other. So we all saw each other downstairs in this little conference room before we loaded up to go to this mansion. We didn't know where we was at. What was going on? They stripped us down and took our cell phones and everything. And then all of a sudden, boom, we pop up on this location. We thinking the show finna drop. They dropped the curtain and some weird dude named Chamo come busting out. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, no. He was like, hello, how you doing? Oh my God, my name is Chamo. Welcome to the, and we was like, what? And then they were like, Ooh, rewind, like, Ooh, like in slow motion. And it was like, from there, it was like fireworks from the 4th of July, baby. You feel me? It was Owen and Pop. It wasn't no stopping. You feel me? It was <laughs> wow. Yeah, I had Bones on last week, and he was saying that, too. As soon as Chamo came out, he's like, am I, am I on an episode of Punk? It's like Ashton Kutcher about to jump out here right now. Because they, they were trying to trick you guys into thinking it was like something that it wasn't, right? It wasn't, and we never expected that. And I'm like, oh, my God. My mother is LBGQ, so I was like, I did, definitely did not want to deal with that on the show when it came out i'm like man is it actually finna be his show because he hadn't even said new york yet and 
I was ready to go then. I was I was ready to do the 360 of them. You feel me? If they represent a show to be one way and then, I mean, if, if you're gay, you're attracted to a certain type of people. If you're straight, you're attracted to certain people. And it's sometimes people switch teams, but generally you're attracted to what you're attracted to. So I can imagine it scared the crap out of everybody when they're like, hang on, what kind of show did I sign up for exactly? I don't think nobody was actually ready for that at all. There's <laughs> no way in a million years anybody could have been ready for that. But it was game on. I was in it to win it. And, uh, hey, the story still goes on, baby. I love it. The producers definitely like to play dirty sometimes, for sure. We talk about the producers a lot on this podcast. It's like, we, I, I, I love them, but they, but they are dirty sometimes. <laughs> oh, dirty as hell. But, yeah. Hey, it's a part of the game. It makes good reality TV. That's all I can say. Well, that is true. That is absolutely true. <laughs> so let's talk about your name, Pootie, and, and what that meant to you when you were on the show. Actually, I was kicking it with my boy, and they used to crack jokes on me all the time. So I'm talking about Sada Tay, Sada Tay, Sada Tay, on the tippy side. And they cracked them jokes on me for like two years, and I didn't know what they was talking about. So I ended up one day sitting at home. I'm blowing back. And this movie called Pootie Tang pops up, and I actually watches it. And it was basically the real-life me, personality, cool shades, smooth belts, nice dressed up smooth Enrique Suave kind of the poppy kind of guy so it was like I was poppy but the ladies loved me so I was like Monty instead of La Monty so it was like the Monty was short so he created the name actually in the character Pootie and from the I Love New York when I asked him can I be named Poppy and she said no I was like man all my life I've been a movie extra I'm tired of being a movie extra so in that moment I felt Wayne Brady so she was like what you want your name to be and I'm like Pootie, and from that point on, Pootie was born on I Love New York reality show. It was my live improv pilot to me being a true actor. So it was a wonderful experience, and I rode with the character through the whole show, and no one really understood what was going on, but it was the same as the character from the movie. Well, Pootie Tang, I remember, was a cult classic. I mean, it came out like 20 years ago or so. Yes, when I was in high school, actually. Pootie Tang was a positive role model in the community, and they tainted his name. And then the real people who loved him, which was Biggie Shorty, which to me is like all my godmothers, and all of them are ordained ministers. So they loved me through this whole thing and kept pushing me to not give up on my acting career. So I took a break for 13 years, and I said, it's time for me to get back into my craft, come back, do the recreation of the character from the movie. And it's time for me to recreate myself from Pootie to Mr. Debonair. Nice. I love it. I love it. So basically when you went on to I Love New York, you had this idea of the character Pootie from the movie Pootie Tang. And you were basically like adopting that character during the taping of I Love New York. Do I have that right? Actually, actually, once they did the curtain and Chama was there, and I looked at the contestants as we was going through and giving each other's names. I looked at everybody's name as a character from a movie. So I was Pootie from Pootie Tang. 12 Pack was Don King. Uh, T-Bone was Notorious Big. I'm big and black and ugly as ever. Uh, Tango was LL Cool J. He was a smooth dude. Yes. Onyx was Montel Williams. Bone was like, Bones was like a comedian. 
Remember Raul? Ra, Ra, uh, actually, like the dude that was crying about the dog. What was his name? Romance. Romance. Yeah. Romance reminded me of the video game Street Fighter. Raul. Oh, you can blue get flames. So to me, when I shot the show, everybody was a character from another movie, and that's the way I looked at VH1 and casting us. So I looked at the whole show in a comical kind of view. Like even Chance. Chance was R. Kelly. Real had the long hair. He was Snoop Dogg. So like everybody I thought was actually into character. And a lot of us actually thought one of the guys token worked for a production crew. So with me being a movie extra and been on movie sets, I looked at it as everybody that was there was casted as a character from a movie. So that's the way I looked at the whole aspect of the reality show. Like New York was the Muppet Baby Lady from Channel 11. The little diva with the lipstick all jazzied up. So like it was just weird as hell. So like everybody laughed at me and thought it was a joke. But they didn't really know that I was a character from a movie, Pootie Tang, who was a positive role model and they tainted his name. And now the fans just love me to bring me back 13 years later to hear my story why I haven't said anything for 13 years and let the TV do what it do. I'm a living legend icon. We made reality TV. And all I want to know is why is it that I've never been invited to a reunion show when we've done three reunions? And it's not a reunion if everybody from the show is not actually there. Did you feel like you were taken advantage of? I felt like I was taken advantage of after I actually did the presentation of our finances. So from the whole point until that part of the show, I was basically in control. Like the first part of the show, I tried to get Chance to calm down. I'm like, hey, man, calm down. And he's like, fuck that, man. Don't nobody blow smoke in fucking famous face. And it was like, hey, it really set the trend for some drama. So from that point on, I'm like, all right, cool. And then I got into it with trends. I got him kicked out. and was like, wrap those holy dreads up. And then he got up out of there because he was exposing his CD. Then I got into it with 12 pack. And I was like, you got the 12 pack. I got the graph. And he's like, Pootie, the freaking fruity. He's crazy, but he's not going to know how to read it anyway. So then it goes in the presentation. It's fucking crazy as hell. Omarosa is there. New York is there. They're like, hey, what's your presentation? I'm remembering the 12 pack said I'm not going to be able to read his graph. So I'm not going to read his graph. And they're downing people. And it's fucking hilarious that everybody comes in there. They're like making them feel like small as hell so I'm busting up laughing and it's my turn I'm getting nervous as hell butterflies is flowing Omarosa is here she got kicked off the uh, Donald Trump show he's the fucking president it's fucking crazy as hell you know so I'm like man I'm gonna go in there I'm gonna flip it and everybody who says something positive they like shot him down in the worst way so me I'm an actor I'm from Chicago I'm like hey I'm gonna do the church tabernacle and then David Chappelle was like, hey, I'm rich, bitch. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to say I'm broke. So I went in there. I was like, hey, I got $5,000 in my pocket. I'm broke, but caution, danger zone. I walked myself into a dangerous situation to come here because in the contract, we only got paid 100 bucks a day to shoot a reality show. And 100 bucks a day and 24 hours, it's like four bucks an hour. That's <laughs> under a minimum wage. How can we actually pay bills? And we're on a national TV show off making a hundred bucks, man. Like, 
I'm a construction worker. I like make thirty three fifty an hour. You feel me? I can't leave my job as a construction worker here in Chicago and leave for more than two days and have my job. I had a house mortgage. I had two car notes. You know, I had a bills and life and responsibilities when a lot of these guys were still living at home with their parents. I had a $110,000 mortgage, a brand new car. I was driving a $90,000 Prowler. I had two motorcycles, two off-road Durangos, California Loves. So I had a lifestyle to maintain. So 100 bucks a day, it couldn't pay my bills. So I was going to be ducking dodging the repo man when I got back from shooting a show of three and a half months. And they took our phone, no TV, no outside communication. And if you tell someone you shot the show, you'll get booted. So how am I going to pay my bills? I'm literally going to be broke when I get home. I have no job. And I went all in to shoot this show. So like everybody is saying, oh, that guy is broke. And he had a nervous breakdown. I didn't get reacted to the reunion show. I could have made 500 bucks and upgraded my insurance plan. So when I really did have a nervous breakdown, at least my insurance would cover it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, it, it did look like you were doing like a self-deprecative thing. I see it also as like it was kind of a performance. Like you were doing something different than what all the other guys were doing. All the other guys were, were really trying to show off, but it was just backfiring. And I mean, I don't think Omarosa or New York or Sister Patterson was really going to give anybody a break. Oh, a lot of people didn't get no break. Yeah, no. There's some crazy things that happen in that house that VH1 only knows. I'm not going to expose it unless they pay me because I've done the show, but I haven't made any money off the I Love New York show because when I flew there, I had six, seven bags of luggage. And when I got to the airport, VH1 didn't cover my luggage to get on the plane. So when I said I had $5,000 in my pocket, if I didn't have that money, I would have been on the show with no clothes because all my bags was overweight because I had contracts. Because before this show, I had my own clothing line from the drop. But I actually lost the clothing line because I did the I Love New York show. And at the end of the show, they put me out as if like I was a bad villain. I lost all of those contracts from the companies that was going to run my fashion line as a new different look for men in a dress clothes line like the Steve Harvey's. Okay. Okay. Well, God, I can't believe they didn't pay for your luggage. That's kind of fucked up. So here's one thing yeah, I want so to Even ask. when I got the money from the show, I only broke even from the show. I never made any money off the I Love New York show. Yeah. They, they, I think they did that to most of us. I know us Rock of Love girls, we only got paid a hundred dollars a show as well. And um, yeah, and I think on Charm School, we got like, maybe double that like it really wasn't that much at all yeah, but how is it that we making tv they selling dvds off of us we don't get any residuals that they rerun every valentine's day swedish day holiday new show and we only made a hundred bucks a day a day for four out four dollars an hour it's unlimited wage so it's like something that they should do to cap us off so that we can have enough money to live this lifestyle that they pump us up to be and then put us in situations. And that's what happened with the guy and the Megan wants a millionaire. Yeah. They got caught up into the illusion of this yeah. reality TV. And instead of them saying that I was going to go crazy, someone actually had an issue and other people lost TV shows because of that. So while they were saying that I was crazy, people needed to really look into some of the things that people go through after the show that could people and put people in situations that can't have 
or handle the lifestyle of famous and being on TV and then the good, the bad and negative publicity that comes along with reality TV. It's a lot. Because you do lose a personal life. I would be at restaurant having dinner and people will say bogus things, record you, disrespect you and you got to keep your calm. So like when they said that I never had a nervous breakdown, this situation that we go through in reality with us as just regular casting members and people who are regular people on there, it, it, it really takes you through an emotional uproar. It's a roller coaster, like you fucking got a season pass, Great America ticket. It never stops. One thing that that finance challenge reminded me of was on Rock of Love, we had basically an interrogation by the, the super fans. And then on some of the other shows, they had to do lie detector tests. And uh, I think on Flavor of Love, yeah, they had to do lie detector tests. So, so they have some variation of that scenario for each show, it seems like. And that always is the moment where if any of the cast members are going to break, that's usually where they break. You know, it definitely happened on my show. You were watching the guys going in and doing their presentations and then coming back out. And you were watching the reactions of, of how upset everybody was. What was it that pushed you over the edge? Was it just, was it Omarosa being there? Was it just the intensity? Actually, I thought it was hilarious because I'm a comedian. So like everything in my mind, I look at it in a comical kind of way because I've been through so much of my lifestyle. I have to like laugh crazy stuff off. So in my mind, I'm actually really pooty tang and I think of things in character, comical kind of ways. So like everything to me was funny. So I'm like, I'm not going to let them say and down me. I'm going to go in there and down myself so that they can't down me. And I'm going to bust a reverse psychology on them. And then Amarosa was like, come on, pooty, reel it in. Like I was fishing and it was fucking funny as hell. She's like, reel it in, pooty. So I'm reeling it in. And I'm like, this is my financial situation. I was in War of the Worlds. And here, go, here goes fucking sister Patterson. Come on, pooty, with that sorry ass portfolio. So wow. I'm busting up. It's fucking funny as hell. I can hear the guys in the background laughing because like every time someone went in there, we're hearing it. We're laughing. We can see it on a little screen that they got in there for us. So we're busting up fucking laughing. So I'm like, I'm going to go in there and they're going to fucking laugh at Pootie. I didn't snapped on New York. I got 12 pack. I snapped on him. I snapped on trends. Me and 12 pack got into it. I got into it with chance. I'm like, fucking now is the time that I got to break down because I'm like fucking going crazy they feeling intimidated by me, which is my job as a contestant to make good fucking TV. So I'm rolling with this shit. I'm going to go in there. I do this presentation and I hear everybody in the background like, oh, fuck, he's going crazy. So I'm like, I'm going to storm out of here. So you were leaning into that. Yeah, I was, the whole thing was an act because I'm like, I'm listening to them. And the more uh -huh. I listen to them and it got closer to my turn, I'm going crazy. Like, what the fuck do I do? What the fuck do I do? What do I say? So you want to say something, but you can't get it out because everything is happening so live. You're nervous. You want camera time. It's it's weird. And you're hearing other people get shot down. So you're like, how do you come with your best fucking shot ever? You feel me? So I'm like, I'm just going to go in there and down myself like old boy David Champelle said, I'm rich, bitch. So I'm like, I'm going to say I'm broke. I'm going to demean myself in the worst way so they can't talk about me. And then I'm going to storm out of here. So when I storms out, I'm like, hey, man, give me a moment. 
So then they wouldn't give me a moment. So Tango was like, hey, man. And White Boy was like, hey, man. The dude said, give him a moment. And they wouldn't give me a moment. So I'm like, fuck it. The cameraman is following me. I can see him on my parental vision. I'm like, ooh, I'm finna get all this 15 minutes of fame. I'm finna run with it. I see this light just beaming. And you remember I got the Jesus on my back from the Speedos? So I walked up to the window. I'm like, Lord Jesus, you are the father, the son, the truth, and the light. And they say this is reality TV, and they're not keeping it real. So it's like, oh, fuck, Pootie's going crazy. Pootie's going crazy. So I walks to the stairs, and I do the church tabernacle from Cat Williams when he did Pimp Chronicles and shit. So I walks to the third step. I holds on to the rail, and I sit down, and I close my eyes. And they're like, hey, y'all, Pootie passes out. Go get some water. So when it goes against this water, they pours it on me, and I'm acting like I'm in church. Like, if you're black... You've been in a saved and sanctified church. When you get baptized, everybody goes crazy in the church. So they pose this water on me. And I'm acting like I'm now rebaptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And my eyes cracked. But then all of a sudden, I hear this weird-ass fire truck. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Before I know it, they pose the water on me. I'm like acting like I'm rebaptized. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but the Lord Jesus said that he gave me a vision and it's supposed to be reality TV and they're not keeping it real. You feel me? So I, so all the camera people was looking at me like, what the hell just happened? And they thinking that I really had a nervous breakdown for real. They stopped interviewing everybody. I'm fucking busting up inside. They pour water on me. Fuck my construction fake outfit up with my khakis and my red muscle GGGG unit tank top on. Matching your hairdo and everything. And the producers start looking at me weird as if I did something crazy. So I looks down and I see the ambulance running up the stairs as if I really had a nervous breakdown and the production crew is looking at me weird and I'm like, what the hell is going on? You guys wanted great TV, I gave you great TV and everybody mouth was stuck. So I just bust out like back then, they didn't know me. Now I'm hot and they all on me and everybody was puzzled. And from that point on, it's like they didn't want to record me as if they thought I was a liability and I'm like, hey, I do movies. The emblems is here. I'll sign off on the confidentiality release form. I was making good TV and you guys are tripping like something really happened. This is fucking good TV. Did you say that to them? Yeah, I told them that. And then they stopped recording me and everybody was going crazy. They thought I was really having a breakdown and everybody was looking puzzled. Now they're arguing in the van saying the man told y'all to give him a break. Y'all made it more than what it was. And then I felt like now I'm in a spot. I knew I wasn't supposed to get kicked off the show because I really never even spent any quality time with New York. So you can't get kicked off if you haven't spent any time with the chick whose show it is. And she just snapped on me in the kitchen. And of course, I bust a proper dopper like a Burger King Whopper because I'm pretty motherfucking tang. So I had to compose myself, laugh the shit off. She's going crazy. It's fucking funny as all fucking hell. And now the producers don't want to film me anymore as if I was a liability. So when you said that people were arguing, did you mean the producers or did you mean the cast members? Tango said something with White Boy and they got in an argument of something. So then the, they wanted me to get in the ambulance and I'm like, I'm not going to get in the ambulance because there's nothing wrong with me. And then that's going to make me look like something is wrong with me to get in the ambulance. And then everyone lied and said, I got in the ambulance, but you can clearly see me in a van. You didn't get in the ambulance? No. Oh, wow. I denied the ambulance because 
I knew that I was just trying to steal the camera moment, and I did. And when I did that, people were so shook, thinking that the breakdown was real. They actually thought that, like, it was real. So they thought it was a liability. When I was like, back then, they didn't know me. Now I'm hot and they all on me like Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. But I'm like, who? I'm Pootie Tang. And the, everything changed from that point, Lacey. So, and that's what really, truly happened. So when I never had a nervous breakdown, I was playing a character as I looked in everybody as a character. And when that point happened, everything changed as if I did something wrong for making good TV, which made us actually icon histories because reality was set in stone actually by that craziness that actually happened from that presentation. Now, I didn't want to leave the show because I didn't go on a chance to have a date with New York. But I thought that me and the producers would be able to work it out. But I was not going to get in the ambulance. So if something was to ever happen, that they can actually truly say I did have a nervous breakdown when it was an act. And that's why I haven't said anything in 13 years, because I didn't want to bite the hand that actually fed me, even though I didn't make any money off the show. That's so crazy. Well, what's what's weird to me about the whole scenario is. I was playing a character too on Rock of Love and I was literally labeled Crazy Lacey. Like that was my name on the show basically. Right, and but so, people don't know craziness and drama sells. Right. That's what making fucking makes good TV. Like we were the first people to make the icon ready for VH1 on the female version from Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav name was already out there. Like he's already branded. But for us to make that, once all the writers went on strike, like we was the trendsetters of reality TV. So it really hurts me, even though I played my character and I did my thing. Everybody got paid. We didn't really get paid, but it is what it is. I'm still doing this show for free and not one person has reached out to me as if I did have a breakdown. You mean from the production? From the production, any networks, personal people, anyone, period. I have never received an email from anyone, organization, nothing. That if I really did have a nervous breakdown from this show, who reached out to me to help me if I really did? And if I was financially broke because they said I was financially broke, I've never made a dollar off the show. So when can I make a show? Or maybe they should allow me to cast for their shows to bring them good stuff. So we can make some money because I've never made a dollar off the whole show. I totally get it because we are in the, the Rock of Love girls are in the same boat. I mean, they, they barely paid us. Let me ask you this. So after you left in the van, you didn't get into the ambulance. You left in the van. Did they just take you back to the hotel? Yeah, they took us back to actually we went back to the mansion and then they wasn't filming me anymore. So I'm following around, kicking it with the fellas. But no matter what I would do, the camera would not follow me at all. Really? And I'm wondering what's going on. And then the production crew was like, hey, Pootie, what's up? So they pulled my coattail to the side and asked me to actually go to a hotel and relax for a couple of days. But when I did it, I, the obligation was I had to get in the ambulance to do that. And I didn't want to do that. I was not going to allow New York, Mrs. Patterson, and no other woman, a black African woman, my own sisters, to down and degrade me on a national TV show. Then you said it's reality. The reality of it is we did not get paid. 
to live a lifestyle to even pay our bills. I haven't been invited to one reunion show, one guest appearance, no nothing. That is crazy to me. So let me ask you this. Did you ever reach out? Did you ever try reaching out to the producers? And like, cause I mean, obviously we had their email addresses. And Actually, I tried to reach out to the producers and nothing was happening because I had to get permission to actually do other gigs from VH1 because I was on contract for five years from the date of the reunion show. So we shot that in like 2011, 2012. By the time they aired it, you're looking at five years from the date of reunion show. You're talking about like your full contract lasts about six and a half to seven years. Well, you can't make any money unless you go through VH1. So like they is the dons of your career. You feel me? So I went into hiding and that said nothing because I just wanted to make money and good TV. I didn't know that it was going to happen the way it did. But I wasn't going to get into Amalams and lie when I'm saying this is reality and live a lie when I knew that isn't what really happened. So when I didn't get into Amalams to go hide in the hotel for a couple of days, no one wanted to talk to me. And from that point on, it wasn't no point for me to be there. But I wanted to be there because I wanted to go on a date with New York and show real women how a real hardworking, phenomenal gentleman is supposed to treat an African, a woman, princess. Because she's black. She's a queen. No matter how you look, what you do, your behavior, or attitude, she's a queen. And I'm a king. I loved how you were in the house. I thought you were such a gentleman. I thought it was so cool that you would cook and you would clean and you made sure that everyone was happy and, and eating good food and living in a nice space. And I thought that really spoke like to who you truly are as well. I just wish that I was been on there longer and this incident wouldn't have happened. And I, once I told them that it was all for good TV, I wish we could have nicked it in the butt because VH1 did invest a lot into us. And the script and the things that I did in my interview, I know it was phenomenal. And I knew that I was going to make it towards the end. To my perception, I thought it was going to be me, Chance, and possibly Wood and Tango. And I thought we was going to be the quad of the end on how it was going to go down. So I never thought that even after that incident happened that we couldn't work out the deal to make this go through. Because reality was like... Basically, the new soap opera of a 24-hour-a-day, seven days a week, 306, well, three-and-a-half-month, nonstop live improv for reality TV for them to script it through the footage to make a soap opera, basically, is what it fucking was. You feel me? Yeah, I feel you. I, I'm just so confused because I agree with you. I, I know that the producers are all about the drama and so i gave them the drama but then they wanted to taint my name i'm like if you're going to give me the welcome at least bend me over and spit on it for you jam me like Teddy <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so did if you could if you could go back in time and redo it everything was cool if i would have gotten the ambulance and went to the hotel everything would have been cool they overthought things i overthought things and hopefully we can all work this out because I am good TV. I know they had a lot of things in the making for me to go longer than that. And I feel like everybody got shortchanged. The fans got shortchanged. The fans still fucking love Pootie motherfucking Tang. And I'm coming back. We can't have come back because we never had a reunion show without me. And it ain't a reunion without everybody there. And there's so much more that I got to bring forth to the table. 
into the industry and I'm just waiting on the welcome launch that we can get over this and let's make good fucking TV. Hell yeah. Please listen to me, VH Wayne from Pootie Tank. This is for free, free advertisement. I appreciate you doing the proper dropper like a Burger King Whopper, but you aired me out two times on that show. And can I please get that commercial deal so I can upgrade my insurance? <laughs> so when I do have a nervous breakdown, I'm covered financially, okay? <laughs> Did you get hurt? Did you get hurt going down the... No, actually, I walked to the steps and I stood on, I held the railing and I sat on the fourth step and I closed my eyes and I'm like, I'm going to listen and see what the hell they're saying. And it's like, hey, Pooty passed out. Go get some water. So I'm like, if they go get some water, they're going to pour it on me. And when they poured it on me, I'm like, oh, shit. Church Tabernacle. And guess what was out? David Chappelle was out. He had just lost his contract because he wouldn't do some crazy shit, which I wouldn't do some crazy shit. Monique had just got blackballed from some crazy shit. So it was like, hey, I'm going to go all in. And then Kent Williams was out doing Pimp Chronicles. So from my perspective, and I'm in character of Pootie, I'm like, man, I'm finna just fucking go all in and do the funniest shit they ever fucking seen on TV, and we're gonna make it happen, baby. And they just didn't get it. They just didn't get it. VH1 should, if they really want to make some money, they got billions of dollars worth of footage from all the shows that we ever did. You heard this first from Pootie from I Love New York. You guys should show all of the uncut footage that happened on the show that we never saw. Because a lot of crazy things happen with Chamo and New York and a whole bunch of other things just on our show that you never saw. If VH1 redo that footage, they can make a whole nother show off of things that we never saw. And they can make a whole nother TV shows just off of uncut footage that they didn't never show on TV that was good fucking TV that they holding on to. Wow, that's crazy. So I don't want to expose it all because I want VH1 to get their shine on just like I'm going to always get my shine on. But please, please come out with a show playing uncut videos from the I Love New York show and all these other reality shows and make me the fucking host. <laughs> I love it. So I actually have some fan questions that I want to I want to get into because these are some good ones. Um, so on YouTube, Rob M, he says, uh, he says, hell yeah, Pootie. I know this is uh, related to the meltdown, but please ask him details about the meal he had with Miss Patterson right before he left. It seemed like something like the producer staged to explain you leaving. And it just it just seemed weird. Yeah. Was there I, th I feel like there was something more to that than what we saw. I actually remember if you remember the, the breakdown, they poured water on me. So my tank top was wet. So we goes back to the mansion, but my tank top never dried. So they immediately put us in a limousine with the mother to go to a restaurant in the restaurant. I mean, in the limousine, my shirt was wet and they had the AC blasting cold and I was freezing. So when I walked into the restaurant, all of these people were in there and they're looking at us like we're famous and we got these TV camera people following us so they know that something is going on and I'm freezing. So if you really notice that they said I had a nervous breakdown, if you really look at the footage, I ordered a bowl of soup and hot chocolate. And if you notice, California is hot as hell. It's like 130 degrees. So if you can handle 130 degrees and go in a restaurant and eat a bowl of soup and some hot tea, then you're good because I was freezing and I wasn't having a nervous breakdown. 
but they was freezing the shit out of me in that limousine while my shirt was soaking wet from them pouring water all over me. And they tried to say that I had a nervous breakdown. And all I was saying was that the producers actually had my career in their hand. And I felt like now I'm actually scared because the producers are not filming me. And that's what I actually said. That's crazy. So I'm not saying nothing that didn't happen because VH1 did show me say that I felt scared because of the producers and because they wasn't filming me. And I just wanted to go back to normal and let's finish the show. Uh, let's see. I've got a question from oh Lisa on YouTube. She says, please ask him about the argument with New York where they ended up talking about burgers. Uh, were they serious or were they just being entertaining? Do you remember that? Actually, that, that was actually real. New York came in there and be, because I had fronted or been through little altercations with different people in the house, a lot of people were feeling intimidated by me and my character. So that's why I made myself look bad in the presentation. But with the other part, I basically was just going through that little situation and I was just playing the role. So I didn't know what they wanted me to do, but I was just trying to do what I thought they wanted to make good TV. But the communication barrier was off at that point from me doing the presentation thing and it was no more communication anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, that is just so crazy. My mind is blown right now. Um, so let's see. Um, uh, again, from YouTube, Sydney says, uh, please ask him about his actual viewpoint on New York at the time. And then how do you feel about her today? That's a really good question. Have you been keeping up with her career? And, and what are your thoughts on her? How do you feel about her back then? How do you feel about her now? On the Flavor Flav show? She was wild thousands, which I'm from Chicago. So like, actually, that's like how how females really act when you're not doing the right thing. You feel me? That's why I'm a ladies man. And I don't like do the wild shit. You feel me? So on the show, I actually saw a different side of Tiffany other than the Flavor Flav show. But but again, a lot of the time she lived actually in the mansion with us most of the time. But she was on one separate part of the house than the actually fellas was. So it's like New York, Chamo, and the producers had a private sanctuary for her. And then a lot of times, I don't think she was actually there, but she would come there for them to set up to do what it was for an elimination or whatever, or to set up for the preparation or whatever experience we had to go through with some uh, other little whatever, whatever it was they had planned for us actually for the day. Okay. Okay. Um, and then let's see here. I think I've got one more for you on Instagram. Terrence asks who from the show do you keep in contact with? And also have you ever met any of the other of love contestants? I got Before you answer, I want to say that you definitely have a fan base from the cast as well, because I heard from 12 pack bones and tango all said like, Hey, you're Lacey. You got booty coming on. That dude is so rad. We love him. He's so great. So they, were like totally singing your praises so you not only have fans from like the viewers perspective but also like some of the guys on the cast I mean this many years later you clearly had an impact and they were all saying you know Pootie's a good dude so do you does that surprise you or have you kept in touch with some of these people over the years or not really actually out of all of this time not one person has actually reached out to me 
I did like communicate with Teeweed because me and Teeweed actually grew up in the same city of Chicago. And while I was actually in high school and I was doing certain things, Teeweed was filming movies here and doing different things. Like uh, he actually shot a, the movie Original Gangsters when I was in high school in like 1993 with like Pam Greer and Wheezy. So we're actually from the same background and city. So I've communicated with him a lot. And then uh, we end up doing some networking, and then uh, he plugged me with like uh, his little demo he did with the World Poker Tour on ESPN at the Bellagio for actual, uh, for this guy named Philippe Russo. He was like the twelve million dollar poker bracelet holder, and he like hired me and actually Twelve Pack. I actually met Twelve Pack from there, so he casted like me, Twelve Pack, Claudia from Dilla No Deal, couple other people. And we went there and we had a blast for like a week. We posted, hosted the World Poker Tour and came up with a, a clothing line for like poker battle. And it's like some weird ass, wow, badass poker gear. So when you're fucking playing poker, you're doing it in like the wildest, craziest shit ever while you're just throwing money away like it's a fucking hobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so were you, you were not keeping yourself off of social media on purpose for a period of time after the show came out or, or did you have your social media going? Actually, I was still on MySpace, and after I did the show and I actually viewed it, so many things was happening and the fans was up and down. And I had already told the people on the show that I was going to go back home and surround myself around some positive people to do some positive things because I was actually a role model to a lot of kids here in Chicago because I was actually a foster kid here. So I do a lot of promotional working for kids who are artistic and all. And the show really tainted me in a bad kind of way. So I was like taking a break. So in between that, I did an audition for a fashion show with Monique, who was doing something here in Chicago. And the incident happened, and I got threatened with my career to be blackballed. And from that point on, I said, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to let the character roll and do what it do and let everybody. Can you say who who threatened you um, to, block, to blackball your career? That's fucked up. Actually, I'm going to keep that in since I haven't made any money on VH1. And if they want to <laughs> find out, it's a whole bunch of other things that happen on the show that I can't expose later. But at this point, I haven't made any money. And if I'm going to expose and put myself on the line because I was threatened, I want to make sure it's going to be beneficiary physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. Wow. I'm so sorry that all these things happened to you. It, it is, I, I'm sitting here listening to everything that you're saying, and it's so, so confusing to me because I don't know why. I mean, the fact that they didn't have you on the reunion show is shit. I can't believe they had three reunions and I haven't been invited to one. Like, how can you have a reunion? when everyone isn't there. It doesn't make any sense to me. Anytime that you reached out to the producers, you, they, you just didn't get a response back? Never got a response back. Never that got a helpline, nothing. I haven't heard from VH1 one time since I shot the show. Once I got on that, uh, they dropped me off at the airport. I've never heard from VH1 again. Or from 51 Minds, the production company? 51 Minds, VH1, BET, Viacom. I have their phone number. I've called them. I've saved the emails. I've never got to reach out or help in any kind of way possible from the network at all. Why do you think that is? 
I don't know. We should ask them. Are you happy now? What What are you doing with your career? Are you still doing like the acting and stuff like that? Are you modeling? Are you happy? I'm still doing the acting. Again, I'm doing Chicago Fire. I'm doing CPD. Uh, most of all the stuff here is already casted for from California. So they do a lot of location. But after that happened with me being threatened and the people and the fans keep coming back asking why I'm not at the reunion shows. I said, I'm going to come on a lacy motherfucking skull show <laughs> and find out why I haven't because I want to know myself. And I, it's just time for me to get back in the game and do what it is that the fans want me to do and be a positive role model, do some great things and make great fucking TV, man. That's all I want to do. Oh, I love it. If fans want to find you online, how do they find you on social media? Where do they go? I am Lamonte Council, Lamont Council, L-A-M-O-N-T. C-O-U-N-C-I-L on Facebook or you can find me at Pootie Models on Instagram. I haven't been on there in a while or you can find me at Council Lamont on Instagram. C-O-U-N-C-I-L L-A-M-O-N-T For anyone who wants to book me for upcoming events, networking, commentating and all, you can email me at LamonteModels at Yahoo.com and I love you and thank you for the support that all the fans has gave me and bring me back for this reunion so we can all make great TV. Absolutely. I will put all that information on the screen for everybody to see. And I will also put it in the description box below this video. But Lamonti, thank you so, so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate you for coming on. I appreciate you for telling your story. And I know that a lot of people, the, the fans, other cast members, myself, we're all, we're all rooting for you. Thank you so much, Lacey. Wow, I gotta say, that was definitely by far one of the craziest and most confusing interviews that I've done so far. I, you know, I mean, I've talked to you guys about this a lot, about how I played a character, and I feel like some of the other, you know, cast members played characters as well. And there have been some, like, insane, intense fights and situations on all these shows. And so if you think about how crazy and how insane some of the other drama on on some of the other reality shows how crazy that drama has been but this drama was too much for them it's it's so strange and I, I really wish that one of the producers would uh come right out and say what the deal is because if if they were convinced that he was crazy but he's sitting there going like no I'm actually acting I'm trying to create drama and trying to make good tv for you guys I don't understand why they wouldn't get it, you know, because I mean, with some of the other characters, they got it with me, they got it, you know, and um, there was a couple of times where they thought things were getting too intense with me and they come over and be like, hey, Lacey, you know, make sure that, you know, it doesn't escalate beyond this point or whatever. And I'd be like, no, I'm fine. I'm cool. And they would see the switch in me like, no, I got it. Don't worry. Everything's good. So I feel like the the producers are experienced in this. So I don't know what what was it exactly that pushed the situation so far past the line that the producers felt like they could no longer handle it. It's, it, it's just, it's so confusing to me. And, um, I don't understand why they, they wouldn't have like jumped to that. Like, Oh yeah, we got this guy on here. That's totally willing to play this wild, crazy character, but no, they were like spooked by it. So that is just really a bizarre scenario to me. I don't understand why things happen that way for him. 
And um, yeah, I feel really bad for him though, because I thought he definitely made entertaining TV and it would have been nice to see him on shows like I Love Money or whatever. But it sounds to me like the producers wouldn't give him the time of day, wouldn't get back in touch with him and didn't even have him on the reunion show. So um, it's a very, very bizarre situation. But anyway, at least we got a little bit of light shed on it. And uh, at least we know Pootie's perspective. So there's that. Um, I want to take a moment to say thank you so much and give a shout out to the contributors. You guys are amazing. You guys are the ones who've kept this podcast going. And I appreciate you guys so, so much. And I love getting to know you. And if you are watching this and you're interested in becoming a contributor as well, all you got to do is go to my website, which is talkoflove.net and click on the contribute button. And from there, you can check out all the rewards that are being offered and see if you want to get some reaction videos or Skype chats with me or a lot of the contributors actually get the um, the full interview, the full episode a couple of days early. So they don't actually have to wait till Monday. They usually get it on Saturdays. So you can sign up for that and all kinds of other stuff. So all the money that you contribute goes into paying for the production of this podcast. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys for watching. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button and I will see you guys next Monday. And until then, be safe, take care of yourselves and don't threaten me with a good time. Bye guys.